0: Hey everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to this episode of The Heart of Poker, sponsored by a today Poker, a podcast that aims to introduce you and me to the players that we already know so well, but in a totally new way. Now, first off, apologies for the difference in sound quality. We are not at home for the quarantine and my Wi-Fi situation is, uh, well, let's just say it's not ideal. I hope you bear with me. Now, I've interviewed a lot of people in my 15 years in poker. The weirder the questions, the more I really feel like I know the person. So for this podcast, I'm using a set of questions slightly modified designed by psychologist Arthur Aaron, among others, almost 25 years ago to try to see if they could get total strangers to fall in love. Now I'm modifying this set of questions slightly as it is very long, <clears throat> the list, and I'm updating some of them. But otherwise, these are the questions that they came up with to try to find a shortcut to intimacy and getting to know someone on a deeper level fast. So can we hack intimacy, can we shortcut our way to knowing our favorite poker personalities better? Let's find out together. My guest today is the fantastic Danielle D-Moon Girl Anderson. She is an OG high stakes online poker player who despite her online name of D-Moon Girl surprised a lot of people when they realized that yes, she actually is a girl way back when she appeared on the documentary, Bet Raise Fold. Now, post-Black Friday, she's living primarily as a high-stakes live poker player, now in Las Vegas, who has a pretty incredible life. She's not traveling at the moment, obviously, to the big games around the world because of the quarantine and all of that, but she's still keeping folks entertained on social media. And full disclosure, we are already friends. I happen to love her, her awesome husband, and her son already, so I don't need these questions to fall in love, but I'm doing it anyways for you, the listeners. All right, Danny. So, are you pretty prepared for this? Have you heard some of these questions already? Have you looked at the list?
1: I'm not even gonna lie. I am. I'm, I had no idea what I was getting into. You do that introduction. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> I thought we were oh, gonna glass no. of wine, talk about so like what we're, what we're getting to the heart of intimacy. What? <laughs> so yeah, I am this is completely
0: whole unprepared. So let's Ugh. roll.
1: You're I love nice. that. That
0: actually makes it so much better. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I've modified the questions a bit. It's obviously, you know, not a three hour podcast. We're going to be about 45 minutes. We're going to start easy. There's three sets of questions. First set, super easy, getting to know you kind of stuff. So the first question for this uh, survey or for this uh, r- this uh, research is, Would you like to be famous and in what way? But you've already had a taste of that starting with the documentary and, you know, all the different poker media, all the TV stuff. Plus you kind of live a pretty baller life in poker sometimes that, you know, I've seen your Instagram feed. So what's it like being poker famous? Uh, you know what? I kind of feel like,
1: honestly, uh, I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way, but I feel like I'm at a perfect level of like Fame, if that's such a thing or whatever, because Mm -hmm. I do like that sometimes um, when I feel strongly about something, I really appreciate that I have somewhat of a platform to Mm -hmm. engage with people and use my platform for what I feel like are, you know, causes or things that are near and dear to me. That being said, the idea of being famous, you know, like some absolute superstar who can't go about their day to day life. That sounds like a (laughs) nightmare to me. Um, yeah, I would absolutely not want that. That um, So, you know, I feel like where I'm at, I'm pretty happy. I'm uh, don't really have any desire to, you know, pursue more mm-hmm. fame within the poker world or without it. I kind of enjoy the anonymity that I have. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I also enjoy having a little bit of a platform.
0: Didn't you think of anything that recently you kind of used your platform for? Does anything stand out for you where you were like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about this and make sure people understand it or know what's going on"? Um, I mean, I think the the COVID nineteen thing is something that I, um,
1: you know, kind of a little bit earlier on the most probably started speaking about, and you mm. know, especially in the poker world, I feel like we're in this weird, um, you know, like microcosm, where we're like we get, sometimes get information because there's a lot of very educated people and people who kind of go down the rabbit hole or whatever so I feel Hmm. like within the poker community I was more aware of the you know potential dangers of COVID before other people were Mm -hmm. and you know for instance like my family and friends in southern Minnesota um, it just wasn't something that was like being discussed or that they were like aware of and it was also very misunderstood so Mm -hmm. you know I think like recently I made a a post uh, you know and I said on Facebook and I, I said you know if you never read another one of my posts, please read this one. And This was kind of early on. And it was explaining why, because at this point, you know, like young people were still feeling like they could go to bars and they're like, Oh, well it doesn't affect me. So why should I care? You know? And I kind of tried to explain, um, you know, yeah, you know, you might not end up in the hospital. It might not affect you, but you're going home to your grandparents, your parents, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an example of where I feel like I you know, could step out, use my platform. And generally I think I'm pretty reasonable on things. I'm open to all sides. So I, I think, the people who do follow me, I think generally respect what I say for the most part. So I take that, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty seriously and I um, don't take that lightly.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good way to use your platform too, because I just feel like a lot of people didn't think about that kind of ramification of, you know, I could take it home to someone. I could, I could be the vector that causes people I love to pass away, to die. Like, that just, I don't know, it seemed to be going over a lot of people's heads when they're like, well, I'm young. It doesn't matter. It's like, well, really?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, on. I think at first, to all, you know, a lot of people, they wanted to just kind of write it off as like, oh, well, it's only going to affect the elderly. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I think, the, you know, yeah, there was like this, first of all, there was misinformation. Second of all, there was, you know, this like kind of you're young, you're carefree. You're like, oh, it doesn't affect me. So whatever, you know. Man. But I think it wasn't really understood until that there was a particular study that came out where- Um, in, I think it was um, South Korea, they were testing everybody, like going Mm -hmm. door to door. So testing people who were asymptomatic and people who were, you know, symptomatic, of course. And what it was showing is that compared to like Italy, you know, where they're only testing the people who were in the hospitals that a large percentage of, you know, the younger population were carriers and had Mm -hmm. it, but were completely asymptomatic. So I think, you know, having that Knowledge and understanding that, yeah, you might not feel like you're sick, but you might be passing it on to somebody who, you know, could mm-hmm. be gravely, end up gravely ill or whatever was a very important message and something that wasn't really understood at first.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, I know that your, your own physical health, your strength as well is really important to you. So the second question kind of taps into that. Now, if you could be guaranteed to live until the age of 90 and you could keep either the, bo- the body or the mind of a 30 year old, which would you want? Uh, the mind really for sure
1: yeah uh, my yeah, biggest i agree fear... with you but i'm surprised yeah no my my biggest biggest fear is not a like loss mm-hmm. of you know of course i enjoy i appreciate i you know physical fitness and moving and all that stuff but um like like my biggest fear really is the loss of me as a person mm-hmm. uh in in my brain and my capacity so mm-hmm. um you know <laughs> you are right these questions do really cut uh, get right to the <laughs> core of some some uh deep beliefs. These are the easy ones. <laughs> yeah, I know cuz uh you know my husband and I have had the discussion many times of, you know, if something were to happen, you know, and continuing with life support and whatever and I've always been very clear and felt very strongly like I don't I can I can deal with a a, a life where I, you know, physically uh incapacitated or whatever. Like I I can handle that. But if I'm not going to be me, if like my mental mm. uh you know, if I'm going to come back as something other than me and my brain, then I, that's, yeah. that's not, I would rather just, I've lived a great life. I'm proud of who I am. I don't, I want to be remembered for who I am now,
0: not for, you know, mm-hmm. if I have some cognitive delays or deficits or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I do get what you're saying. Cause I think there's a pretty good chance that towards the end of my life or when I'm getting elderly, that I will probably deal with a fair amount of cognitive decline. So it's something that I've thought a lot about as well. And yeah, I would definitely keep the mind of a thirty year old, but I'm also in a weird way I've had a long time to kinda of think about it and I've had a long time to come to some sort of terms with it, you know, not totally. But I'm like, Yeah, I think I'm gonna be a pretty cool person who doesn't remember anything. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. like as long yeah. as I, you know, I have enough to set myself up in a place where I'm happy and, you know, safe and good and I'm just going to whatever eat pudding and play bingo or I don't know, dance a lot or just be the crazy lady in the corner and I'll be all right with that. But
1: yeah, it's it not really so much make a fear think. for myself in that discussion so much. It's more so like a, uh, a fear of like how i want to be like remembered you know what i mean like i don't want my mm-hmm. son to have to like go through like me not remembering him or like me becoming a different yeah. person like that kind of thing you know because yeah if by the time you're that old and you lose his abilities like you're you're right you're probably like having a grand old time playing bingo and like this is, you know like whatever <laughs> it's no stress to the person themselves you know yeah but, uh, it's more of a stress to myself now thinking of you mm-hmm. know what my yeah lasting impression yeah would be.
0: yeah i get that All right. Well, the next question is, name three things that you think that we have in common. So, I mean, if I go, I start with one, let's say, I think we both, excuse me, I don't have the virus, obviously, but I do have a cold. Um, One thing that we do have in common is that we both grew up in kind of rural, small town areas, I would say. What else Uh, do you think we have in common?
1: Um, I think that you and I are both pretty down to earth and like grounded. Um, Mm hmm. And I think that that's something that we've always, like, had in common. Uh, Sometimes in the poker Mm. world, there's uh, a lot of glitz, a lot of glamour, a lot of whatever. And I think who you are at the core can kind of get overshadowed in Mm. that. And I think that that's something you and I always have connected over. Uh, I
0: think in general, it's just being kind. Um, Yeah, you're a very kind person, I think. I mean, I get and you instilled that in your son. Well, yeah, of course. You I <laughs> like that a lot. But yes, but yes, at the core, you know, and, and I think that the same way that you
1: probably have, <laughs> you know, I might have a slightly more tendency to be feisty, but um, I think that we're both the same in that way. That we're mm. we're kind and we're forgiving, and we uh, can sometimes be empathetic to a fault, um, right? But there's also a point where you, you know, you, we both have that. Like you push too hard, and then okay, well,
0: am I allowed to swear on yeah. here? you can swear as much as you want <laughs>
1: okay yes yeah, so we both get to a point and it's like i will right, well, fuck off like you know yeah and then move on yeah um and then so. on a different kind of sort of connected but in a little bit of a different way i think that um both you and i have had to learn how to like let things go and to not huh. um be i think it's hard for us to not be liked Um, and not necessarily in like a popularity competition kind of way you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. in a um we're just like well i i don't understand like why would you be so like cruel (laughs) towards me or hateful or what did i do you know and um with people who we probably shouldn't even be concerned with their opinions but um Mm -hmm. i've had to kind of build some you know you, you get used to it through the time but you know you'd be lying if you said that sometimes there are circumstances where just you're like "Ah." Mm -hmm. it doesn't kind of like hit you and you kind of have to learn to deal with that you know
0: yeah yeah it happens so much more rarely for me and I'm grateful that for that now that where I I, it hits me when it's even people I shouldn't care about their opinion but it every once in a while it still does you know
1: yeah I mean I've gotten infinitely better at it uh Hmm. I mean and I I, and that's kind of what I think that what I mean by we have in common is that I think that I've also seen you kind of get better at that mm. um just in the time that we've known each other because you yeah and, and really i think also the more secure you are in your life and your family and your whatever like the mm. less those things the, the the opinions of people who aren't mm-hmm. significant to your life matter and you really have to kind of like be protective of your energy um mm-hmm. and i think that yeah. you and i have both probably gone through similar kind of uh growth patterns and dealing with that
0: hmm. well i like that because i've enjoyed kind of being your friend over the last I don't even know how many years it's been at this point it's been a lot it has been been almost 15 it's got to be I don't even know it's been a long time yeah it's been I'm not good with time yeah (laughs) it is (laughs) Uh, it's been a while (laughs) anyways yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) next question um what do you miss the most about your pre-quarantine life um I miss a feeling
1: of security and like normalcy you Mm. know what I mean um yeah. um just like the idea that hold on one second can you shut the door <laughs> my son was delivering me a cookie which is awesome Aww. and amazing but um <laughs> I so I miss the just like there was this sort of sense of security just uh you know like normalcy and I feel like yeah from now on it's kind of always going to be like, life before and life after mm. uh, this event. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know yeah. that, like, a true normal – I mean, and honestly, it was probably a false sense of security that we had, you know, because, I mean, mm-hmm. you look at scientists, whatever, and, you know, they've been saying that we're overdue for something like this for so long or whatever, but it just hasn't happened in, in, you know, my lifetime, like, something of this significance. So it just kind of felt like this invincibility towards something, and I think that that will forever probably be, you know, shattered.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like in a kind of a weird way um, because of some of the ways I grew up and place the place that I grew up and everything, I always kind of expected some kind of like apocalypse growing up with nuclear worries and, you know, because of my age also. Mm-hmm. So when it happened, I wasn't so shocked. But I was surprised by the fact that I'm in my 40s and it's not how I expected to, to deal with like a massive global meltdown. I was expecting to be in my 20s, to be, you know, super fit and able to, you know, do whatever was necessary. And instead, here I am with a kid and a lot of worries and all of that. And it, it really, it surprised me. It kind of shook me in a way, uh, having all of these ties with people that I love who are far away and I can't kind of, you know, protect them. And that's yeah. yeah, that's hard. That's really hard. My my dad actually had a heart attack last week and I obviously can't go home and he's fine. Thank God. You know, um, he was taken to the hospital in an airplane. He was airlifted and they they were really good. And Canada, thankfully, is fantastic with all of this kind of thing. But the idea that I couldn't go home was just, it just ripped me up. And the idea that even if I could find a way to somehow find an, a flight and get home, I'd still have to be in quarantine for a couple of weeks before I could even see anybody. Uh, yeah. like, that's what got me, I think, the, the sense of, like you say, that sense of security, which was probably a false sense of security, but I miss it. I could take some of that back right now, I think.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I can't imagine and... and you know, there's just so much that's out of our control right now that it's, um, yeah, it's just everybody is having their own, you know, individual yeah. unique difficulties in facing this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, yeah. I mean, the lasting impacts of all this is just, it's hard to even like grasp, you know?
0: Yeah. And, it's, and I, like I you say, I'm it's so glad your dad's okay. Everyone. I can't
1: imagine how stressful that yeah. was.
0: Yeah. It was really scary. It was, it was, uh, not what I, yeah, it was really low on the list, you know, of things that I was kind of worried about. And it, immediately jumped right to the top but like you say everyone's kind of dealing with their own version of this and that's kind of weird like because kind of reaching out for help or support and you're like well everyone's kind of dealing with their own version of this everyone kind of needs to reach out for help and support like there's nobody out there who's like no no this is great I'm fine (laughs) yeah it's a weird time it's a weird time to be alive hmm You know, on that pleasant note. I know, it's
1: like doom and (laughs) gloom.
0: I know. But there's a lot to be grateful for. So what in your life for what in your life do you feel the most grateful? Um,
1: I'm I'm grateful that this happened at a time in my life where um you know, as stressful as this is, or whatever. Like, I don't have to immediately be worried about like how am I going to pay for my groceries next week, or you right. know, yeah. my rent and my mortgage. Because there's so many people who are in that position where, like, immediately from day one, they just went into like, like, what do you mean yeah. I don't have a paycheck next week? You know, they live paycheck to paycheck, and and part of that, like, um, I'm don't get me wrong, I'm very grateful for that. On the other hand, um, I'm also proud of uh, myself and my husband for that because um, not to take away from the people who do live paycheck to paycheck. I don't mean to do that, but I like, we just are very much people who like uh, we're not very like materialistic, you know? So we, a lot of people they want to have like the nicest car and the you know crazy nice house mm-hmm. and all that like, you know, and, and that's like fine, whatever. That's just not really our like values. So because of that, like we, you know, have, you know, enough saved that we don't have to, that's not like an immediate Mm -hmm. stress. And I'm just, I'm really thankful for that because as stressful as this is for, you know, everybody, no matter how well equipped you are there, like you said, everybody has their own individual stresses to it. I can't imagine, you know, literally being worried about like putting food on my table. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, I am, my heart goes out to the people who are dealing with those stresses, you know, and there's just so many people with losses of jobs and so many circumstances where, um, you know, it's just it's very hard for them. I mean, like my, you know, my parents are are people that, you know, my entire life have lived paycheck to paycheck. And so something Mm -hmm. like this happening, you know, um, that is an immediate stress of just paying for the basics of living, you know? So uh, obviously I'm, you know, helping them out as much as I can or whatever, and they're okay. But I mean, that's just one example of so many people that are in that situation, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah.
0: It's to me, you've always kind of made really strong choices within your family like your you your husband and your son for your work, his work, how you like including poker when you were first playing online poker, the whole thing like using that to support your family that's it's not the normal way to go, uh, probably especially where you're from. It certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have been the normal way to go where I'm from. Um, what kind of gave you the know the the feeling that that was an okay thing for you to do to take on poker as a way to support your family
1: honestly it was such like a kind of a natural transition like I never really set out to be like this is my goal I want to be a professional poker player you know um it never really was like that It was just like a slow transition to like where it just made sense like each step along the way um Mm -hmm. you know I started playing in college and like was just making a little bit more playing poker than I was working at my, you know, $10 an hour shoe job at a shoe store, just working, you know, part time. And then I wasn't really like passionate about what I was in school for. So it was like, well, maybe I'll just drop out and just kind of, you know, try out this poker thing. And then I'll go back to school when I figure out what I want to do. And then it was like, well, you, there was just never really a reason to stop, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing is... Until there was one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Until exactly. you had to. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a huge part of that too is definitely like Corey. I mean, he... Mm-hmm he believed in me having a poker career like long before I ever believed in it. And he never really, even through like the, you know, there've been some obviously with any poker player ups and downs and some, you know, crazy times or whatever. And uh, his like faith in my ability to do it was just never, never really like wavered. So um, I mean, you know, I'm the poker player, but my career is so ingrained with him and his contribution that, you know, it really does feel like more like a team kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely challenges to it. I can't say that, you know, it's definitely been a growing, you know, thing where I've just Mm -hmm. learned along the way. Now, I think that I balance it very well. I think one of the things that I do best in life is I evaluate my, uh, you know, life EV and my life happiness alongside of, you know, financial Mm -hmm. EV. You know, sometimes there's just spots that, yeah, they might be good, you know, good financial spots, but... If this goes wrong, is this going to impact my happiness and the happiness of my family and stuff? You know, for instance, like right now in quarantine, this is a perfect example. Hmm. You know, there are online games popping up everywhere and there's a lot of high stakes action and I've seen them. I know that they're very good games, but I knew from minute one going into quarantine, I'm like, I'm not mentally in a place where I want to be playing for large amounts of money online while in a house with my husband and my son. That's not fair to them. It's not good for me mentally because I just, I know that the swings are you know, mm. especially online, for whatever reason, they impact me differently. Like I'm like, I don't care how good an opportunity is. I'm not going to do it. So I've been playing like one, two, no limit poker, just like having fun, <laughs> you know, on Zoom. And, I, and I'm so happy with that decision. And I'm, and I'm proud of myself for mm. making that because, you know, there's so many poker players that they are like, oh, games are good. I got to get in. Well, yeah, games are good. But you know what? These are crazy times and I'm not in a place to mentally be risking that. So I don't know. I think like I kind of went on a, on a tangent there, but just, you know, stuff like that, I think that's what makes, mm. um, that's the stuff that you have to kind of think about when you're balancing having a family in poker, you know, it's not just about building your bankroll. It's not just about finances. It's about, you know, mm-hmm. figuring out the what's fair for the rest of the family and how that's going to work.
0: Yeah. I can definitely keep you grounded in a way that like having a family keeps you grounded in a way that not having those, you know, ties, not having those responsibilities, just, it's a very different life. It's a very different life. Yeah. Um, all right. The last question in the first set, uh, and then it gets a little harder. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I know. Um, so if you could change anything about the way that you were raised, what would it be? Mm. I find this one a hard one to even ask, I'll be honest, because it always feels like uh, criticism of parents, but I don't think it's meant to be that. I think You know, we look, especially as parents now, ourselves, both of us, you know, you kind of think, well, this is something that I'm doing different or, you know, given the change in times even. So is there anything about the way that you were raised that you would change?
1: I feel like it's such a, almost like a predictable answer, but Mm. that it's hard to say it because I can look back on a lot of things that I never would have done as a parent. And, And both my parents are very upfront that they made a lot of mistakes. Like I, you know, there was some my I didn't have all the time the what you would consider the picture perfect childhood but Mm -hmm. at the same time I think that there are some kids who react differently to stuff like that and I think that I kind of was like well fuck this I'm not going down this path and I think that Mm -hmm. some of my strength and almost my like stubbornness to refuse to do that kind of made me who I am today so it's kind of hard because it's like you know, if I go back and change those things, am I still the, the person I am today? You know, I, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a a complicated issue. But mm-hmm. um, I will say that I put much, I think I put more of a, my parents and I are closer now. We've, you know, mended a lot of things. We're much closer now than we uh, were when I was a child. Uh, but I think that uh, I definitely make more of an effort to just connect with my son and be in, in tune with him. Like we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're very, um, we're, we're a lot you closer. You seem really close. Yeah. You know you what I mean? Seem yeah. seem
0: really close.
1: I, and I make I an effort to me. always make sure that he knows that, you know, under any circumstances I'm like there for him. And I think we, you know, mm-hmm. I've got my way to just be really, really involved in his life. Um, so I guess, you know, that sort of, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. And I mean, you know, I'm a, a fan of you and Corey as parents. I When I had Ella, one of the first things I did, I remember I sent you a, a message and I was like, so what did you do? <laughs> because you, guys, you you made a really good human. He, like your son is really awesome. He's, you know, smart and kind and, and he seems very centered and for, you know, such a young person, he really seems to kind of have his stuff together in a way that, you know, it took me a lot longer than, I don't know how old he is now, but, you know, almost teenager, I'm guessing, if not teenager. Um, Yeah, so you guys have done a really remarkable job. And I remember you told me that it was about uh, kindness being the goal. And that really stuck with me.
1: I do appreciate that. I also, I do want to put the caveat in there that of course everything in social media, like I as a parent have made, you know, <laughs> obviously like mistakes. I look back and I'm like, what the heck was I doing? You know, whatever. Like it's not, parenting is a process and there were, mm-hmm. you know, and it's funny because he said he's wonderful, successful in school, whatever. But like if you would, I mean, his first couple years in school, I would come home like crying every day because I was like, oh. uh, like, because he was, he would like, I mean, there were like, issues there's issues that are specific to every kid it's not all like rainbows and sunshine like I I feel like don't get me wrong I feel like we're killing it I'm super I'm super proud Uh I'm super happy where we're going but it's a process for everybody I don't want it to be like oh you know everything's always been perfect and is perfect and you know it's kids all have their unique needs just as parents Mm -hmm. and just try and figure it out as you go you know yeah But I do think there's, yeah, you just make sure they know they're loved. I just think that's, like, the core of it. That's the most important. Even when we argue and we bicker and whatever, you know, it's always, like, the same process before bedtime. Like, it's always, you know, he still even lets me, like, tuck him in. And they're not really Mm -hmm. prayers, but they're, you know, we say, like, what we're grateful for that day. And no matter what our day was, no matter how, if we had conflict, whatever, like, that stays the same. And I think that's just, like, at the core, you know, making sure Mm -hmm. they know no matter what happened, they know they're loved, they're valued, and, you know. I think that's the most important
0: yeah it can get really complicated sometimes it's nice to have like a i don't know like a, a guiding principle that's pretty simple and just is there to yeah make everything else seem a little bit easier i guess if you know where you're headed that makes it easier yeah yeah all right well the second set of questions it's going to be a little bit shorter and then we're going to dive towards the end the first one here says Is there something that you've dreamed of doing for a long time and why haven't you done it? And honestly, I'm going to say, having kind of watched some of the amazing things you do, the places you go, these fabulous games you get to play in, the amazing scotch you're drinking and the top of towers in New York, (laughs) and, you know, it looks pretty baller. Is there anything that you haven't done yet?
1: Uh, Nothing major off the top of my head that I can think of. I would like to learn to play the guitar. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) that's just always been something i wanted to do um otherwise just in a general sense i just want to continue traveling and seeing Mm -hmm. different parts of the world but um nothing major that you know pops off the top of my head i feel like i've done so much more in my life than i ever could have possibly expected that i've already overachieved so much that i it's like (laughs) you know (laughs) anything else from here (laughs) is just gravy
0: yeah so if you're like in a villa in mexico with lots of other like high stakes poker players and you guys are betting on, you know, something like someone running all the way to the beach Yes, <laughs> in exactly. A of minutes. <laughs> yes.
1: So,
0: do, you, do you ever sit there and, and you're like, wait, this, how did I get to this point in my life where this is my normal? Oh my
1: gosh. All the time. Honestly, I think I never really take for granted the opportunities I have because I don't know if, you know, I know it maybe kind of touches on a little bit and bet race fold. and I know that you probably kind of know and whatever, but I don't know if people really know or understand how insane it is. Um, like had poker not accidentally like stumbled into my life, Hmm. there is a 100% chance that I would be living in a small town in Minnesota. I would probably have Hmm. five kids. Uh, I would maybe think that I was happy. Um, maybe, but I promise (laughs) I wouldn't be. And I would probably, you know, I've been so challenged by the poker world and it's allowed for so much growth. And, um, I mean, like my mom didn't see the ocean until she was 56 years old. And that was because I you know, brought her to see it. So I I know for a fact that without poker, I would have lived like an extremely sheltered existence. And not not to say that's not for some people. I'm not trying to, you know, whatever. But Mm -hmm. it's just it's not for me. Like I wasn't meant to be in that situation. And I'm so much happier where I am now. So, yes, I all the time. I never take for granted the opportunities, the crazy experiences, the beautiful Mm -hmm. places I get to see. I mean, I'm just eternally grateful for all of that.
0: Mm. What would you say is the greatest accomplishment in your life? I mean, I'm going to take away your son though. Like you can't, (laughs) you can't say parenting. Uh, No, my
1: marriage for sure. And even if you, even if you took away my son, I would say my marriage because, um, we had to work really hard for that. And Corey and I are both very like upfront about that, but you Mm -hmm. know, we got married very young and, uh, it has worked out beautifully, but nobody should be married that young. And there's a reason for that. And we really Mm -hmm. had to put a lot of work in to get us to the point that we are today and we and we continue to put have to like put a lot of work in and I so um that's hands down the thing that I'm most proud of because mm-hmm. I think we both make each other just like the best versions of you know ourselves
0: oh that's really nice <laughs> <laughs> thank you It's just
1: really sweet <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, oh. just, it's the truth you know um, yeah and, and people well, and, I, and I think that that that's vibe. also like a you know people see on social media and i you know i've heard a lot of people like oh you guys are the cutest couple and you know what mm-hmm. i think we're the cutest couple too i really do i think that we are yeah. a, i think that we have a better marriage than anybody i know but i think people need to understand that like that just doesn't come to you that's not like mm. we earn that shit you know and yeah. like <laughs> if you, you sometimes you just got to get down and dirty and you, it's it's a it's a process and it, it shouldn't be easy, you know? So, Hmm. um, yeah, that's my spiel.
0: I like it. All right. Well, the final set of questions, let's start with, um, I like this question. Have you ever been truly terrified? Hmm. I find this one so interesting. Most people kind of go back to their childhood for like some kind of fear that happened then, but truly terrified. Um,
1: there's a, a kind of like a, a less serious, funny one that comes to mm-hmm. mind. Uh, when I was in high school, I went to a party at it was out in a farm, which is just what you do in Southern Minnesota. Uh-huh. So it's an old, <laughs> you know, creepy farmhouse, and like the bonfire was like a quarter mile from the house. We walked up to go to the bathroom, and uh, for some reason, the house was dark. The parents were like, "weren't home," and this is old farmhouse and the movie poultry is it poultry oh. rice was on the tv yeah and my friends had gone back out to the bonfire and for some stupid reason i'm sitting in the house by myself watching this movie on a couch and all of a sudden <laughs> the window goes up like a window like it just like goes up and like the breeze starts blowing in and the curtains are going and i'm like what the you know and i thought for sure my <laughs> friends were like pranking me and i ran outside and like they're not there and then I'm just, like, completely terrified, and I, like, sprint to the bonfire, and the girl who owns the house, she's like, oh, yeah, that happens all the time. It's just something with, like, the pressure <gasps> in, like, the old farmhouse or something. Like, if it gets, I don't um. know, somehow the freaking window, and I'm like, are you? I, but that was the most scared I've ever <laughs> been in my life. I thought for sure that there was a demon, and it was just, like, coming to get me right there. Um, yeah. Other than that, the only other thing I can think of that, like, really comes to mind is when Easton was a baby. He had a pneumonia and was in the hospital and. uh like was you know struggling to breathe and just as a parent that's you know your kid is sick that's just like the worst um, yeah so those are yeah. the two that immediately come to mind
0: yeah we went through that as well in uh, in November and then again in January with our kids so that was I can definitely concur that that is a pretty scary thing oh uh, yeah it's just yes yeah. yeah, the worst having a, a yeah yeah I get, heart goes out to all the parents who have children with you know chronic illnesses or whatever because it's just the no fun the worst yeah. yeah all right well another question here when did you last cry in front of someone or by yourself you don't probably i mean we're all in our houses right now so we don't get a ton of time on our own um so it probably was in front of someone else
1: yeah no i mean i don't I, i'm sure it was within the last week i'm an emotional Corey and i cry all the time with like <laughs> If something sappy is on TV, like he's a crier and then I'm a crier. So I'm sure that we mm-hmm. saw something that we probably choked up to. Uh, but yeah, I, I cry a lot. I'm a crier. So I have, I have no mm-hmm. shame. I, I probably cried sometime within the last 72 hours. And it's it's so insignificant <laughs> to my late day that I don't even know what it would be about. <laughs> so that's, that's how big of a crier I am, especially right now. Oh man! But yeah, we're big on emotion in our house. Like, we, like, my husband, I I always think it's, like, you know, the whole idea of, like, real men is stupid or whatever. But to me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, like, I love a man who's, like, willing to cry. Because I, I think it's, like, ridiculous that there's this notion that men are supposed to, like, hide their emotions. So uh, Corey is, like, this big, strong, like, burly, like, manly man or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, it's actually kind of cute because he makes it a point to, like, intentionally cry in front of his students in school, you know? Oh. Like, he'll, like tell stories that he knows is going to like invoke him getting cheered up because he, he like mm-hmm. wants to demonstrate to them like it's okay, you know, and here's this big person yeah. that they look up to and whatever. So yeah, no, I I cry all the time.
0: Oh, That's a, that's a really good thing for him to do. Cause I think a lot of kids probably don't get a chance to see a man cry and for it to just be okay and normal and like not impact them and their power or whatever in the classroom or in society at all. I think that's, amazing actually yeah Yeah.
1: for sure do you want to hear the story Mm -hmm. that he tells to yeah I do to to invoke (laughs) himself to cry every single time (laughs) I Mm -hmm. think it's a good story um so he well for a while Corey would teach in school suspension so a lot of those kids were from like troubled homes or um you know had issues at home or whatever and Corey, you know not to say like not that he had like a overly crazy terrible traumatic childhood like some of those kids have but you know his Mm -hmm. he grew up very very poor to the point that like um, you know just he's overcome a lot too to get to the point that we are today so he he, Corey would kind of tell a story to these kids about that just because they come from something doesn't mean that they can't you know achieve something different and Mm -hmm. uh, so he would kind of talk a little bit about like his childhood and some of the challenges there and then he would talk about now himself as a parent and uh, when Easton was like six and like Corey and I, we both had like adult stresses when we were kids, you know, that like you probably shouldn't mm-hmm. have when you're a little kid. Um, and when Easton was like six or so, there was this worksheet that got sent home from school and had all these questions, you know, it was like, what is my favorite color? What is my favorite food? You know, blah, blah, blah. And then one of the questions is, um, what do I worry about the most? And Easton's answer was that we will run out of waffles for breakfast and like Corey was just you know it just like it hit both of us just right because like in when we were like that age we had such you know some adult stressors that like you know and Mm so that is legitimate the biggest thing that he worries about the most is that he's not gonna have a freaking waffle for breakfast like you know what i mean like (laughs) so Corey tells that story and he gets choked up all the time because he's like look like you can break the cycle you know you don't have to don't think that just because you know it's like this now or it was like this whatever that when you have kids it has to be you know you can mm. change that uh that that cycle or whatever and so that was just mm. always to us that was like a significant like proof that we have you know somewhat changed that cycle and we're both very proud of that
0: yeah yeah you know one of the things that I really love about you and kind of always have is that even though you play you know really high stakes poker and it's gen generally a lot of high stakes poker players have a very kind of even demeanor there's not a lot of like emotional ups and downs sometimes there's not a lot of like very obvious warmth although i'm sure with their families they're you know quite warm and lovely and that's i'm sure very true but that kind of macho high stakes thing i've just i've never really seen it in you and being able to like tell stories about this and your family I don't know. It is definitely one of the things that I've always really liked about you. Um, it, it's never kind of stood in your way, not having that sort of detachment in order to play poker.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it, you know, a lot of, I've said this a million times, people ask me, they're like, how do you play poker with a family? You know, mm. how do you bounce that? And I'm like, how do you do it without? <laughs> I mean, <Right. laughs> you know, it's just, it is, it's just this like natural grounding, you know, mm. that, um, I can see how people would struggle without it, but it just, you know, I don't Mm. don't have a a choice nor would I have it any other way. So it's like I have cheat codes at home, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a really nice way to put it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, the last question I'm going to ask you, here we go. So your house containing everything that you own catches fire. After saving your loved ones and your pets, you have time to make one final dash for any one item. What do you save?
1: Uh, there is this box that I have, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I put all the, like, special, like, card, gifts, whatever, you know, memento things. Uh, Corey started it for me one year for, like, my birthday, and he would write, like, a topic, mm-hmm. like, let's say he would write courage. And then he wrote, like, a little card about, like, how he sees courage in me. And, you know, and then he continued adding to him. And at some point he got Easton involved. So like Easton would write, you know, mm. like, you know, in his little like cute writing, you know, like kindness. And he would write about how he loves movie nights with me and whatever. And then oh. I just, it's just like continued to grow and all these like, all these little like mementos that if I'm ever like feeling down, I'll just pull them out and read them and, you know, cute stuff like that. So that would probably be the thing that I would grab. Hmm.
0: That is just a really lovely way to finish this off. Thank you for that um now as always everyone we're gonna skip the recommended two to four minutes of silent eye contact at the end of the questions because apparently <laughs> that's the real clincher for falling in love but you know it doesn't lend itself well to an audio podcast <laughs> and we're also doing this remotely so um you and i we're just gonna have to promise to like stare creepily at each other well, let's for just assume that time. we had
1: a moment and you know it was special
0: <laughs> very <laughs> special i felt that i felt that so was this okay danny we're still friends and everything
1: yes no this was actually this was cool. good it was not as uh when you i mean i was a little scared when you gave that introduction in the beginning and I had known it was coming but this wasn't so bad so
0: that's what I was aiming for not so bad Yes, score I'm down to bear my soul anytime Cool. Well, I might get you back on. I appreciate that. All right. Well, give my love to your wonderful family and I hope you guys stay well in the, in the quarantine for the rest of this. Thanks to everyone else for listening. I hope you've gotten an insight into Danielle that you didn't expect and you have not heard anywhere else because she's an awesome person. And I am glad that more of you will see little pieces of that through this podcast. I'm going to see you all next time here.